You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. My name is Lewis Kornfeld. My guest today is the great Michael Delisle. Hi. Thank you for being yeah, here. Thanks Ryan. for having me. Yeah. Um, Do you say great for everyone or just? I say great for most people. Yeah. Yeah. If you've made it this far, I think you're doing great. Okay. It That's wasn't what? specifically to me. I was no. Okay. No. And I, not a good start, but okay. All right. Jeez, no one's ever pointed <laughs> that out before. I was just trying to create a climate of niceness, but uh <clears throat> touchy, man. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I think you're great. Thanks. Is that is that serious? Yeah. Okay. I think you're wonderful. Thanks. I think you're the best. I <laughs> <laughs> see. I don't just throw it out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that to Evan. You don't. You don't think Evan's great? I think Evan's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Evan's great. <laughs> this is the most uncomfortable I've been at the beginning of oh, any I'm sorry. podcast. It usually takes me 45 minutes to get this uncomfortable in a podcast. Really? Yeah, we've got right to it. I've already called you out. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. How's, how's it? How's it going? How are you doing? Um, it' pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's strange to just sit here and look at you and talk. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever done that. No, I took two classes with you. Did you? <laughs> yeah, improv. Yeah. Um, you don't remember that? No, I remember that you did classes. No, you, do you? I do. Okay, I don't. I don't remember that you did two. I did level two and three with you. Right, that makes sense. Um, they were both great. Thanks, man. Right back you, at you. You were great. You don't Thank even you. remember. No, I do. And you were great. I took note of it. You, you did? <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> is, this a, is this bad, Evan? <laughs> this, is, this is the most you and I have ever talked. Yeah. And we recorded something together earlier, earlier today. today. We talked in character. We did a little bit. Um, is it helpful to if we both play characters on this? Not for me. Okay. But if it's helpful for you, go for it. Yeah, I'll be a firefighter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh you don't you don't improvise much you do mostly sketch mostly uh, written stuff yeah i mostly guess so i do yeah i do i do improv yeah uh at uh mostly at the pit yeah people's improv theater now. sure um it's always been the people's improv theater yeah yeah did you say the people's improv theater now yeah i think so yeah um and this is good we're calling each other out i agree <laughs> It would be funny if they start their original name was the Pit, and, and then, then years like, later they decided they to justify something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I love improv, and I did love your class. I thought you were a great teacher. It's true. It's all true. Um, you, what I loved about you was just how intense you were into it. Intense into improv. Yeah, I remember you had all these theories, and you could talk about it for a long time, and I thought that was great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't. I don't want to come across as intense, but I'll take intense about improv. Yeah, not intense in a bad way. Just like, oh, this guy, he knows his stuff. Yeah, you should care about it if you're teaching something. You totally. should care about it. Hey, totally. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I I had seen you before you did my class. I don't remember how how long the gap was, but I think the first time I saw you was performing with Rolling Scones. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
which is you and yeah, yeah, yeah. Elena Scapettos and, and Pat. Pat May. May. I'm not saying that to remind you who they uh, are. I'm, I'm saying it to remind <laughs> the audience who may not know. No, no. Uh, <laughs> so that must have been like really early on then. Yeah, I the first time I saw you, I think, was also the first time I saw Pat May. And it was at one of our shows because yes. some of our early shows are just are hard to think about. Good, but also like I don't know. Did thought, you like the show? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah? Yeah. You thought it was great? Yes. See, I don't know. I okay. I did. Uh, I, I, yeah, I did. I remember having a conversation with Megan Gray on the train right home saying something to the effect of that was great. I may not have said those <laughs> exact words, but but the meaning was there. Yeah. Yeah. We we uh we did a lot of shows. We did, we did like shows for like every month for like a year. Yeah. Uh, we worked really hard on them, but they were still like mostly bad. I no, just just like all sketch. Well, that yeah, that's true. There, there. I don't. Well, yeah. There's a lot of crap in sketch. How do you, I, the, yeah. How do you feel about sketch? I I like it a lot. I don't mm-hmm. feel the same. Um, like improv always draws me back in. Okay. Uh, sketch every couple of years, I, I will be like, oh, let's write something or do something mm-hmm. but i it doesn't like draw me in like there are people you seem to be one of these people but this is me making a, an assumption based yeah. on never talking to you about it but you seem to be one of these people who who appear to be drawn into sketch kind of similar to the way that i'm drawn into improv there seems there there, there are people who have that kind of like i'll call it like obsessiveness i don't know if that's the right word but uh-huh. but there's that thing that <clears throat> you work all the time you're constantly doing stuff yeah yeah, I uh, I definitely like sketch. I do like improv. I don't. I uh, I love improv. I, I just think it's more. It is more freeing mm-hmm. because it does kind of mean less a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so like everyone knows you're making it up, and uh, and with sketch usually you record it or you at least everyone is there w- under the pretense of like I thought about this and I wrote this down. And I've decided that this was worth getting people together and learning this. Which sometimes turns out to be a huge mistake to have decided Mostly. to do that. Yeah. I, I love sketch and I still think most like 60% of sketch is bad. Yeah, but 60% of anything is bad. That's true. And that's being generous. That's it's true. probably more than 60%. That's true. What do you think the percentage of improv is bad? Oh, I probably, well, yeah, I guess 60% probably. Think okay. 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 I, I think if you it, like, if, if you're on a house team at at any theater, uh huh, you have managed to hone it enough where you're probably doing mediocre to good improv eighty percent of the time. Well, wow. that's my guess. Okay, you're doing great improv, um, and bad improv probably five percent of the time. Yeah. And then that leaves eighty five ninety five. That leaves ninety. That leaves five percent of question mark. Let me say that again. If you if you make it to a house team at any theater, uh-huh. I'm writing this you, down. Okay, you are probably you have honed it mm-hmm. where you are performing mediocre to good improv eighty five percent of the time. Uh, um, you really good improv ten percent of the time, and bad improv five percent of the time. That'll be that's the that's that's the percentage I'll stick with. Wow, that's if you've made it that far now do you, people love you thank you uh they love to watch you perform do you ever feel like they they laugh and then you're like oh that wasn't you don't think it deserved a laugh yeah all the time yeah really yeah 
where you think they're just being nice? Uh, yeah, sometimes I think if you're playing at a home base theater, yeah. I, I do think people will laugh because they're kind of conditioned to, they know you. Mm-hmm. They uh, give you the benefit of, of the doubt. Yeah, I think so. Benefit of doubt. I think so. It feels different if you're playing at a festival or at a different theater. You, yeah. You, you notice you got to kind of like win people over a little bit more. Yeah. Do you get the same thing when you're doing sketch? Uh, yeah. People, you're one of those people where the audience starts laughing when you come out. Yeah, sometimes, uh, which is nice, but also feels like a cheat. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, simply because I think I just like, usually when I'm on stage, the way I carry myself is maybe strange Yeah. without me noticing it. It's not something I like practiced, like, here's how you walk. That's going to get a laugh. Uh I just think they're like. I just look weird. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Uh-huh. So um, it's it, it's not a it's not a posture you put on. You don't no. you don't have a you don't have a practiced comedy swagger. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think I have. I think I do. I think I do, but I didn't practice it. I, I think that's true. I think that you do have an energy when you walk onto stage that's already funny. But I also think you have a little bit of the Will Ferrell thing going on. I do, which uh, is unfo- I think it's unfortunate. So I never wanted to get laughs off of like, oh, hey, that guy reminds me of Will Ferrell. Yeah. And now I'm laughing because Will, Fer- Will Ferrell is funny. And I, yeah. You know. But I see that's interesting because I, I, I only just made the Will Ferrell connection right now. Right now? Yeah. I never thought about really? it before. Because what I initially was going to say is you come out and have a dead serious look in your face when you're performing. Yeah. But then there's also this thing in your eyes where it always looks like you're up to no good. And it's that combination of <laughs> you, you, you're, you're, you're up there to make trouble, but uh-huh. you look completely straight-faced about it. That's immediately very funny. We just kind of, watching you, you start to expect that. And it, as I'm saying it, I realize it's the Will Ferrell thing. It's that, it's that same thing of something really... Yeah. Uh, you're about to get yourself in stupid trouble for no good reason, and and mm-hmm. you look completely confident and flat about it. Uh, I've never heard that. That's great, though. I think so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think you do this. You have a deadpan kind of like look coming out as well. You said something in your class that I that has stuck with me with improv, uh, especially was like come out with a thing, come out with already having a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think would be like a look. I'm I'm like just kind of like upset. I don't know why yet, but I've already made a choice that I'm, I'm upset. And then take whatever the other person throws at you and filter it through that emotion. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, but it, but it's it's like it's an immediate choice where you're you're already like, I'm I'm okay. I'm good. I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it when you're improvising, it just helps you to not feel like you're starting from the beginning. It helps you feel like you you kind of throw yourself in and catch up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Would you ever do improv with me? Yeah, you want to do improv together? Yeah. I would do it. And do it right now? Sure. Evan, can we get a suggestion? What, what is this again? Barnstable, Massachusetts? That's terrible. I don't know that town. <laughs> Oh wait. Well, here, here's what we yeah. do. So we just use the truth of of our feelings and put it into the imperfect. All right, here we okay. go. You ready? Yeah. You. Yeah. You. Um. Initiate. All right. Where? What is this? I don't know this place. Yeah, I don't know this place either. Do you know this place? Uh, it's like, <laughs> hold on one second. We'll pull over for a second. Oh, okay. Let me just get out my phone. 
Lewis, I have a gun. Wait a minute. I want you to hold this gun. <laughs> oh, that's a huge relief. Hold on. I'll take your gun. <laughs> You're not going to believe what I thought you meant when you pulled out that gun. That I was going to shoot you? I thought that this was you were taking me to, to, to the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. You were going to shoot me in the back of my head and leave me in the car as an example to others in the mob. No, I would never do that. <laughs> that is funny. Hey, I trust you with my life, man. I love you. Oh, wow. And scene. See, that was a really that was good, good scene. That, that was, was a really good. good scene. I feel like you really carried that scene. No, I don't think so. The gun was a real the, nice move. That it, was it, uh, it seemed to come out of nowhere, but from the second I started that scene, I knew there was going to be a gun in it. So... <laughs> So, you see, it's that element of risk and unpredictability that makes it exciting to watch you perform. Yeah, it's usually a gun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will. I will say this. So to go back, because I don't want to demean people with my eighty-five percent thing. Okay. I want to. I want to rectify that. Yeah. I think if you were to just float around all of New York City magically in one night, the way Santa Claus you know, goes to everyone's houses and delivers presents. If you could see like every improv show in New uh-huh. York in one night, I think 85% of what you saw would probably be mildly disappointing. Yeah. And then 15% would be great. And all that 15% would be a triple crown. Would it'll be a triple crown. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, what percentage of people do you think are actually funny? Oh, in real life or like performing? Performing. Oh, and most people are funny. I think. You would think so, really? Yeah. Wow. I do. What do you think? I, I think not. <laughs> I think most people are not funny. I I find most people funny when they kind of just like leave it alone and 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 are, are not trying, not, not trying too hard to be funny. It, see, it depends because I I think that that's also like a shitty. You say like don't try to be funny, but then right there's a point where that that note flips and then like if you're on a sketch team you're being told consistently by a director to try harder to be funny right to make a choice i yeah and and i i think there there is like kind of a theory that's like with improv it's like yeah don't try and be funny or try, don't try to be interesting just kind of be yourself mm-hmm. um and i kind of disagree with that mm-hmm. i don't know i don't think most people are that interesting i do you do. I do. I, I, I'm going to come off really bad on this. No, I th- no this, we're having a, this is a meeting of minds. We're, this is an interesting debate. People want to hear this. I, I do. Um, I, I don't think everyone's funny in the same way. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and there are certain people who I do think it is your job to try to be funny. It's your job to like mm-hmm. squeeze this. It, you know, if you're on a megawatt team or a Harold team, I, I expect you to be funny. I expect you to be making funny choices yeah. and, and deliberately funny choices, not just support the reality of the scene. I expect you to have a, have honed an instinct for where there's going to be laughs. And I expect you to take the scene there. Totally. I, I think I think that the don't be funny thing, especially early on, mm-hmm. is a really useful thing to uh, encourage because people feel so uncomfortable. Most people feel so uncomfortable improvising that they look for any reason to bail and any reason to joke their way out of a scene. And and then it's that kind of like punny kind of joke, yeah, that like superficial kind of joke that that just like is totally 
not fresh and and doesn't come out of the circumstances of the scene and doesn't have anything to do with with their character's point of view. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. So so you discourage people from doing that and you encourage people to trust that a scene has its own integrity. And then if you make choices that involve you in that and make you care about that scene, like you, when you're performing, you should care about the scene that you're in. Totally. Yeah. And I get that you want to steer people away from like doing like a, uh, like when I think of someone like Jim Carrey is someone who just is like constantly going for it. Like you don't want to have a scene at a funeral and then one character is like talking out of his butt for no reason. Right. Uh, but on the flip side is um, I've seen so many bad scenes where it's two people just talking and they had assumed that their real life experiences would, would be enough. Mm-hmm. And it was, I didn't, it wasn't. I would agree with that. I, I there are, uh, there are, I think it's important to have the courage to, let a scene kind of organically develop. Mm-hmm. But I also think at a certain point you have to decide yourself on a point of view and, and commit yourself to it. The scene has to have a point to it. Yeah. Uh, some people call that the game. Some people call that the deal, whatever you want to call it. Mm. it. It does have a point to it. Yeah. And I, I think that there are some scenes that can be really funny in an improv setting that feel pointed um, and yet you're not really able to spell out exactly what the game of the scene is exactly. Totally. It's just kind of, it's funny because it you, there, so there's like hard funny for me where it's like you're pushing the button and it's making me laugh. And there's like a soft funny where it's more, uh, I'm laughing not so much because I'm having that button pushed. I'm laughing more from just the sense of like, I'm happy, I'm enjoying this. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. Um, yes, it does. I I don't like, um, the laugh, the supportive laugh Mm -hmm. No, when something is not funny, but you think they're doing a good job, Mm -hmm. which I think is another problem with like only like performing at a home base or whatever, where people know you and they start to just laugh because they're your friend and they are supporting you, but nothing you've done is, is funny. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Uh, that I feel like is a really, uh, toxic thing that kind of runs through all these comedy communities. Yeah. And I, it's usually probably well-intentioned. It totally is. It totally is. And I think, uh, I think the best thing about like, about these communities is everyone's so nice and great. And it's not like, being a stand-up, which can be very lonely and very like hard and people can be mean. Yeah. But on the other side, I think a big important part of getting better at anything is failing and being able to fail. Agreed. And sometimes those nice laughs don't let you fail. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And and I, I think that the longer you put off failing, the harder it is to fail. The or or the the more you build up this kind of mythology of failure where it's something that's gonna kinda if you fail a couple of times, then it, it you yourself are the problem. You're just like not a good enough performer or yeah. whatever. Whereas like the reality is 
you remember people's successes. You don't remember totally the 85% of their career where they're just sucking horribly at everything. Where they're bad. Yeah. Um, do you get nervous? All the time. Yeah. Me too. I, and it, it seems to get worse the longer I'm doing it. The really? more nervous I get. Before shows, before yeah. anything. Yeah. You're nervous. Horribly. I'm super nervous. I find that surprising. Where what where 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 do your nerves live? Uh, like in my body. Yeah. How do, like how do you how do you experience nervousness? Uh, I think it's a stomach thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it's just uh, super nervous. Yeah. I don't know why. And I don't know. And I thought maybe like the more I performed the more it would go away. But yeah, it just never has. Or if it has gone away, if there are certain shows where I'm not as nervous, I feel those shows aren't as good. When, yeah. Yeah. Are you superstitious about that? No. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I think usually if if I'm not nervous, I probably didn't care about the show. That's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. I, I used to be very superstitious that if I didn't feel like shit before a show, it wasn't going to be a good show. Yeah. And then I had enough shows where like I went into it barely thinking about it and ended up having a perfectly fine show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so that just broke me of that superstition. But I, I do kind of think that, not that I like crave being nervous before a show, but, but I, I think that those nerves are like a good sign that it means something to you. Okay. But, yeah, I think so. I um have how what's the worst you've ever like done at a show? Uh my worst case scenario is just going blank. It it happened to me the other night. I was in a perfectly good show, but I was like we had guests visiting that that I I think are really great and I got like kind of shy. I get shy. Oh, really? Yeah. Um and, and when I get shy, I go blank. And that's kind of my biggest fear and and that's kind of if I shit the bed, that's how I'll do it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. How about you? Um, I, I, I've bombed so many times. Uh, yeah. I did stand up when I was really young and I, and I bombed really badly. Mm. I was like 16 and I did stand up and I like, did it at a, another high school. It was like a talent show mm-hmm. and I got booed and I got heckled and I, and the whole like auditorium, like counted down. There was like a timer. Oh my gosh. It was really, uh, wait, wait, wait. traumatizing. You did a talent show <clears throat> at another high school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started doing stand up when I was like 14 uh-huh. and at 16, my mom signed me up for a talent show at a different school. Uh, and it was, uh, it, it was just like not the right place for comedy. Yeah. It was like all the other acts were like singers or like dancers. It was like a cool school. And then I came out to do stand up. And uh, like people started like fake laughing before I even said anything. Oh, yeah. Like in the audience, like ha ha ha. It, it like really like mocking me. Yeah. And I, I did my first joke and just to silence. And then like, Halfway through my second joke, I got booed. God. Just in the setup. What I, I remember, like, a woman, like, people started talking. And I remember, like, like a woman was talking, and then she stopped talking to boo me. <laughs> and then went back to her conversation. <laughs> she, she booed she, the joke that she only half heard. Yeah. She was like, I'm sorry, I have to do something. Right now. <laughs> boo! Anyway, yeah. Uh and then a third joke to silence. 
And then more fake la- like pockets of the crowd started like fake laughing. And uh, there was a counter. And then the whole like mid joke, the whole auditorium, like 10, nine. And I like Jeez. walked off. It was uh, very traumatizing. Oh, yeah. Especially How, at 16. I bet. We're, yeah. I mean, you're just the most vulnerable for that shit. Super vulnerable. Uh, and also like bad. I wasn't I was bad at stand up. Yeah. And so I was like knew I wasn't great. Yeah. But I, I had like tried to work myself up. So I, I walked out there like the most confident in myself that I've ever been and then was like immediately shut down. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not going to be good. It's the, I don't think there's such a thing as a stand-up prodigy. <laughs> I don't think anyone at 16 is going to be a great stand-up. Yeah, that's true. You got to, you have to, I mean, you got to bomb and you got to learn. You bomb super hard. But to bomb in someone else's high school talent show is just yeah. like the worst imaginable. Like it a late also, night club or something. Yeah. Parents were booing you. Yeah, and and um, my parents afterwards like work were they knew it was like it was rough, but they weren't sure how to deal with it. Yeah. Um. So I was just kind of like in a daze afterwards, like what just happened, like, and they were like, "You're fine," and I and I like it like took me like two days to to just even like remember what happened. Sure. It was like getting hit by a car. Sure. Yeah. I've never been hit by a car, but. Uh, yeah, but there, that it's sense like of being getting like booed. rattled out of your senses. Being yeah. in my car is exactly like being booed, but it's like yeah. being booed by a fast moving car. Yeah, yeah. It took. It was like, yeah. It was. It was crazy. Um, Do you remember your act? Do you remember your opening joke? Um, yeah, it was bad. I uh, I had stuff about number two pencils. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was about, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. I took a stand up writing class. Uh, the, uh, the joke was something like, why, like when you're taking a test, why do you have to bring two number two pencils? Like, is one going to break? It's not, it wasn't good. And then I had stuff about bullies. Um, and then I had stuff about, uh, that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what, I, I had that one time I've talked about this on this show before too of like I went out to a festival and uh, just like for whatever reason we were like third in the lineup and, and the first two shows went up and, and did great and people <clears throat> loved them and then we took the stage and the audience turned before we even <laughs> introduced ourselves and it was like this thing of like we they started heckling us yeah. before we did anything and they just continued for an hour and you couldn't win them back that there was, was nothing thing. to win back we never lost them they it just like they just decided they didn't like us see now i i think i was a bad stand up at 16 and i think if i would have been funny i could have maybe won, won them. them back yeah have you ever seen that have you ever seen bernie mac yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you stand it? Where yeah. he he did at the Apollo. Yeah. And he basically like opened with being like, I'm not scared of you motherfuckers. Like yeah. that feels like that was a hostile crowd and he won them over. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I couldn't. You don't know how. You don't have the, you don't have that like, you got to build that strength. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the kind of that like key difference in like the stand up crowd mm-hmm. is there is a little bit of an expectation if they don't already know you and you can't already uh, uh if they're not excited about your reputation um it, it's kind of built into the experience you kind of expect that they're going to challenge you a little bit yeah 
Whereas improv and sketch, you, you don't really get challenged by anybody. It, no. it, it's a very like mothering, nurturing environment. It is. It's a very nice crowd. Um, but then I'm sure you still have encountered people. Yeah. I did, I did a show, a sketch show, um, where I was 20 minutes late to it. Uh-huh. And uh, I showed up. And it just was like I was out of breath. The show was really bad. And then like halfway through a bit, we had we had planned this like vomit bit that where like the other person would keep vomiting. And then a woman was was just like she said, How is this funny? <laughs> and then it and then I was like, Yeah, this isn't. Let's just end the show. And we like stopped. It uh it was it was bad. Yeah. It was an and then it was she had asked the right question. Yeah. To me, and then I was like, "Yeah, how is this funny? We should stop doing this." That's admirable for you to like own that. There, I find something admirable in both responses to that. I find something admirable in a person or a group who are prepared to stick to their guns mm. and see it through all the way to the end and just endure the bomb itself. Yeah, but I also the flip side. I find it really admirable when you can kind of like. Um, I take your losses and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, this is bad. I saw one group, one improv group once, the only time in my life where halfway through the show, they stopped the show to apologize and restart the show. And uh, part of really? it, part of it was shocking just because of like, I was always trained that like, no matter what you, you, you see it through. Yeah. But part of it was also just this, this like huge relief of like, what a, we don't have to sit through that. Yeah. It was crap. It was yeah. 12 minutes of crap and they knew it and they did something about it. And then how was it after that? Great. Oh, that's good. They had a really good show afterwards. You actually trusted them better after. Right. Uh, I think it's way more admirable to stick it out. Yeah. I I remember seeing an improv show where uh, an improviser made a character choice and it wasn't working, but she stuck with it. And then like three scenes later, it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. It was like tag out, tag out. Oh, now it's like really working. And she didn't like shy away from it or like, kind of step out of it yeah she just like committed harder to it yeah and it just like took a second for the crowd to get on board yeah and i think that's more admirable uh i like that too yeah what um so what do you learn from bombing i think it's one thing to say you learn from bombing but what do you learn from bombing um I, i well with sketch or written stuff you learn a lot um I think you learn, you just learn about writing, I think, or like, you know, th- this character doesn't work or this, um, the way we presented this character was the wrong way. I think there's a lot to be said for like starting off on the wrong foot. Uh-huh. We're like, we just presented this thing wrong. Yeah. And it just kind of went downhill. Can you give me an example? Um, yes. I did a, I did a character with another person where we were like uh, bloggers and uh, the bit was kind of like that we were just like self-obsessed bloggers and we did it at a Brooklyn show and it, it just was like the audience was a lot of like Brooklyn bloggers. Mm -hmm. So to be like, Hey Brooklyn, we're Brooklyn bloggers and we're bad people. Totally like just, I think put them on their heels Mm -hmm. Because I think they were funny characters, but I think they felt like, 
oh, we're being made fun of right. to our faces. Yeah. Or if we were just like, we're, we're these people, it would have been fine. Right. Um, we also learned, you also just learn like what, what kind of joke goes better. I feel like, um, you know, the, did you ever read, um, either of McNapier's books on improvising? No. Uh, they're great books. I highly recommend them to everybody. Uh, the first one's called Improvise, Seen from the Inside Out, and the second one's called Behind the Scenes. first one is just kind of like a broad improv manual, like scene work, mm-hmm. and then the second one is is long form. Um, but he has a great piece of advice in, uh, in the second book. It's for people auditioning for shows, but I think it applies for everything. His piece of advice is be funny. And then he like expands on it, meaning a lot of people will approach an audition, let's say, with this thought in mind of because you're nervous and um, and you're feeling insecure. So you'll go into it with, all I have to do is be supportive and a good listener and that will kind of get me through it. Yeah. And while it will, it will also lead you to doing the kind of scene that you were describing before. Two very nice people standing there doing very nice things. Yeah, yeah. And his whole thing is like, that's not enough. You have to actually be funny yeah and his advice it's it's kind of um subjective but he's like it means going into it you need to think funny you got to kind of put yourself in your funny headspace and and you know if i'm understanding him right no one can do that for you that's not like uh, um you know name the state capitals and and be sure to start everything with like a p or whatever it's right you you got to connect with your own your own state of mind where you're just kind of feeling funny and you got to approach your audition from that energy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, don't you think that that is like a natural thing? Being yes. funny is a natural thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I don't think most people are, I just think natural, there are very few naturally funny people and you could, you can tell when it's natural and when it's not. The cool thing about all these theaters and all this stuff is that like I feel like there there has a become there has become a very teachable way to become funny mm-hmm. that there is a way to go like if you do this and this you'll have a good improv scene or if you do this and this you can write a good sketch mm-hmm. um which is cool but I but I still think when you see some naturally funny people it elevates it and it's just such a different experience. Well, I agree, and, and I think that the teaching of it is, you know, you kind of like over time figure out how to make it more accessible to people, and you figure out mm-hmm. ways to make it simpler for everybody, and, and ways to get more people involved in it. But I also think that that's in a way kind of preparatory work. Yeah, it, it you're creating a circumstance where a group of people can get together and work together and. And um, and create the opportunity for something really inspired to happen, but that's just the preparatory work. You're then kind of hoping that people don't just do the by the book performance. You're yeah. then hoping that they use that to really dig in and make their own funny choices. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching comedy. Like I don't don't want you to think that that I think that, but no, no. You can you just can tell when like when there's a funny person on stage, it is like elevated. I agree. There there are people who are there are, there are people who are tone deaf to comedy. 
Yeah. That's just a, it, it, they can be very nice people, but they just have a, have a, a, a an ability to always miss the funny. Yeah. And there are people who have, uh, you know, like some people can like pick up an instrument really quickly or, yeah. or they can like pick a tune when they hear it one time. There are people who kind of have that with comedy. They just kind of have an ability to kind of suss out of any situation what's going to be really funny. Yeah. Um, I think with all this said, we should do another improv scene. I think so too. Right. Can we get a suggestion? What is it? A Huron? Huron, are you? It's a bird, I think. A bird? Okay, you, you initiate this one. Okay. A Huron. Whoa, look at those birds. Whoa, look at those two. Hold on. Let me just write this down. I'm going to check yeah. it off. Hey, Lewis. Yeah. I have, I have this gun. Oh, yeah. I want you to hold it. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> that was good. That was like a perfect that second beat. That was really good. What was nice about that too was like we were outside. We were outside. Yeah, that was the best part. Sometimes, in when you do a second beat, it's just good to put it outside. I agree. There's just more things happening outside most of the time, unless you're indoors in a very big place like a, a sports complex. I imagined us stepping on grass. I thought so too. We were both wearing shorts. Nice uh, uh, flip flops. You were in flip flops. Yeah, I was in cowboy boots. I saw that too. Yeah, nice. Um, so here's here's my question. So learning learning from bombing, mm-hmm. uh, um, like what have you learned about yourself? Like what's your comedy headspace? Where do you where do you when you're like figuring out that like okay that sketch didn't work? Mm-hmm. How do you snap yourself? What's your specific headspace? What's your what's the what's your sense of humor? How would you how would you how would you describe it? Uh, my sense of humor. Yeah. Um, uh, big, maybe yeah. broad. Yeah. Uh, I like silly. I sorry. I I just got a point. Guy a guy in. just walked right in here, looked at us, made a face like I'm so sorry, and then looked around <laughs> and then left. But he didn't make the face like he was sorry, like he was injured. He just saw that there's a podcast recording going on. Didn't stop him at all. No. I don't think he was here for any purpose. It was a bad guy. Bad guy. It was a really bad guy. Yeah. You know. Who I think that guy was, I think that was Steve Bannon. Really? Yeah. You love to get political. I can't help it. (laughs) 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 You know, and I was right in the middle of my... Sorry. My Big. big. I got to get back into it. Yes. Um, My eyes are closed. (laughs) Think about myself. Uh Uh, I think big. I think broad. I think uh, silly. I don't know. It's so hard to describe. Yeah. Sense of humor. Um, I think when I do improv, I tend to go towards like, uh, broader characters. I would rather play, uh, a, let's like a Southern man rather than play myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to go. And I think with sketch too, I, I, I like something that I usually start with like, what would be fun to do on stage? Yeah. Rather than like make sure, making sure it's written really well. See, I'm surprised hearing that you enjoyed my classes <clears throat> because I I assume my classes are real dragged through the mud. Cerebral. Yeah, and also I discourage that in my classes and not because I don't like it and not because I don't think people should do it. You discourage what? Starting that way. Oh, yeah. No, I maybe discourage is a wrong word. I'm, you yell. I yell. I glower. Uh-huh. 
But I'll tell you why I discourage it. It's that proportional thing again. Not that those are bad choices, but in those classes specifically, level two and level three, I'm really, I want people to get out of a sketch way of thinking about improv scenes, yeah. which is to say, what's the weirdest character that would be in this situation? But here's, and now I'm going to add the caveat to that. Uh -huh. The reason why is not because I think that that's a bad way to approach it. The reason why is because I think for most people coming through an improv class. It's a bad way to approach it. Yeah, it's only going to bring out their <clears throat> punniest, jokiest, right. lamest ideas. And I want people to feel that they'd be better off dropping all that stuff and starting simple and figuring it out as they go. But the problem with my approach to teaching improv is I think it tends to chafe against people who f become inspired when they do that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I will rarely set up a scene that encourages someone to start as a Southern lawyer. Right. And yet I love Southern lawyer scenes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I did love your class. I, I don't, well, I think when I'm doing those characters, I, I, it's still pretty grounded. Yeah. Well, yes. Even if I'm playing a Southern lawyer, it's, it, it is pretty grounded. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I don't like that trying too hard. I feel like it's a very fine line between being like, I would rather be a Southern lawyer, but I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. Well, you'll also play it you will play, you'll go right for the jugular with the comedy of that character. You're not wasting time. You're, you're going for something that's going to be funny, but you also play the nuance of it. Like you, you, and I don't know if this is, it's probably a combination of everything. It's probably a combination of just your natural talent and, and training and experience. Mm -hmm. But you, in, you have an ability to milk a character like that <laughs> yeah. for small moments that are so funny. Mm-hmm. Most of the time in the level two or three class, if someone starts with a Southern lawyer within two lines, they become like a racist Southern lawyer. Sure. And then they'll like drop like a Trump reference or something. And, and then it's done. And it's done. And yeah. there's nothing else to it. They don't know how to inhabit that character, nor do they want to inhabit that character. They think that the fact that they're a Southern lawyer in and of itself is funny. Yeah. I think the reason I did love your classes may, um, the way I approach her sometimes, I think the way it seems I do comedy is very like flippant or like you just go out there and be crazy. But I take comedy very seriously. Yeah. Which I think is what I, uh, when I saw you was like, had attachment to like, oh, I also take comedy very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I analyze things more than people would assume. Mm -hmm. I do analyze like what works and what doesn't work. Um, and still make a lot of mistakes, but, mm -hmm. uh, I think the way you approach, probably the way you approach something is similar to the way I do as well. It's just different in execution. That's reassuring to hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> we execute very differently. We do. But we're both very funny. It's so funny. Yeah. And that's, as, as that, as that bird watching scene just attested. Yeah. And on that one, I really carried the weight on that one. For sure. Which is also nice. <laughs> There's an improv lesson. You have balance out. Sometimes partners. you got to carry Yeah. Very solid second beat. Uh, you are one of the only people who I laugh at when you come out on stage wearing a wig. Usually wigs to me are you like... You hate wigs. Usually. I know I'm in yeah. for a bad time when people wear a wig. <laughs> but when you come out wearing a wig, I, I 
Now, is that because usually, I look, it looks bad? No, no. Uh, um, it, you look professional. Yeah. You look like you know what you're doing. I've been told that to be a good wig wearer, you have to have a long face. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, and I have a long face. <laughs> it looks more natural. Looks, yeah. It looks like it belongs. It looks like it belongs. Yeah. So if you got a shorter face, maybe don't do wig work. Here's what I mean by that. And that's good advice for everybody. No, but what I what I mean by that is sometimes I will, you know, like when you see like a really hokey, shitty sketch that like someone puts on like big glasses and a wig and like, yeah, of course. that's 90% of the comedy work they've given to the characters <laughs> that they have different hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's just kind of that where it's like a, a, a wig is like, it's like if someone came out on stage with like an arrow through the head. Yeah. And be like, oh God, it's it, everything's going to be in like comedy italics. Mm-hmm. But then who's like a really great sketch artist? Who's a really great sketch performer? Who is? Yeah. Just like a, like a, who's like a professional? Big, well, yeah. Who's like a big, well-known sketch performer? Um, All I'm thinking now is Will Ferrell. Peel. Keen Peel, both. You, you know the way when they put on a costume? Yeah. And the costume like un- unleashes that like little like sparkle in their eye. Yeah. They're both great actors. Yeah. And the costume helps to bring that out. That's kind of how I feel when I see you put on a wig. I know, I always know that there's going to be a well thought through character. <sighs> Thank you. Who Who is always going to have some kind of surprising weird thing going on that I didn't see coming. Yeah. I love wigs. Um, I think uh, several people know that I have too many wigs uh, and will often um, unnecessarily wear them. Uh, I've done a lot of sketches where I like my character's just walking through the bank. Yeah. Don't need, I have three lines, Yeah, but he's going to wear a wig. <laughs> uh, but I agree. I think wigs are like super distracting. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it is that it helps me feel like a different person. Yeah. Um, if I look different then I feel different and I like looking different. Yeah. And I, I think maybe why I said all this stuff about, you know, just seeing two people just being themselves. I don't find it interesting because I don't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. So generally when I'm, I like to look different when I'm on stage. Yeah. Um, and a wig helps having different hair helps. Well, one of the first thing that I think the last time I saw you play a character was at, uh, at, at Molly's ice cream social. Yeah. Excuse me. You and Devin played the, uh, the couple remind me your thing again is the couple we did t- wait was it the last one or the one the, back the, in november the last one where I, uh, oh oh we were two hairstylists I two think. Ha- yeah i think we were southern too <laughs> yes you were. <laughs> uh that's good within seconds of that bit starting which was a very funny bit but it also occurred to me of like oh you don't really need a wig for this character <laughs> yeah and it made me happy i was like oh, it's delight it's just like that little extra step that i love that extra detail. yeah it's yeah it's like little uh yeah, it's just extra. I think that's something flare. like I, I don't do that stuff ever. And um, then when I see people do it well, I'm then reminded of like, oh, what a fucking awesome choice to just like give yourself something yeah. that specific. Do you feel fake when you do it? Like you're lying to the audience? No, I'm not lying to the audience. I just, I, I struggle with my own insecurities. I have a real big insecure. I have a real serious imposter syndrome insecurity. Really? Yeah. About performing yeah yeah i have like a real strong sense of like i only have so much funny in me and one of these days people are going to realize i spent it wow uh, yeah so i think if i put on like a turtleneck 
I instantly become really self-conscious. It doesn't, it doesn't like liberate my sense of humor. It just makes me feel like uh, one of these days people are going to find out I'm not very good at this. Wow. But, but then wearing a wig, then you're not yourself. Right. So then you don't have all that. You're, you're now you've like leveled up. I'm prepared to try it. Yeah. I'll try it. Um, I got a, I did a character bash. Uh, all the teachers did character bash a couple months back. Did you wear a wig? No, I, I did it the same no way. I, I, I went as myself. Come on. That's the one time. I, I know. <laughs> if I ever get to do the show again, I'll wear a wig. That's my promise. Yeah? Yeah, I will. I I got a ton. Uh, I got a ton okay. of wigs. All right. I'll come to you if I come I got up a with big a curly blonde wig. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> I got like a bowl cut wig that I really like. That's it's hard to go wrong with a bull cut. Yeah, you look funny immediately. Yeah, um, I got so many wigs. Um, I have a pair of like rubber cartoon glove hands, like oversized four finger, you know, like Mickey Mouse yeah, glove yeah. hands that I still don't know what to do with. Yeah, because there's so much you could do with it. Yeah, uh, I would say you play maybe a doctor. Mm-hmm. See, that's those are so big that I would say, like, whatever the most boring job you could have with those, like you're an accountant or something. Yeah. And you just never mention that, <laughs> that your hands are big. Well, they're wildly impractical. Yeah. You can't grasp anything with them. You can't them. grasp. No. Um, yeah, maybe that's a joke. Yeah. See, it writes, it writes itself. Do you... <laughs> Do you have a preference in the way that you write? Like, do you do you like collaborating with larger groups? Do you prefer to write stuff for yourself? Do you prefer like smaller two person, three person stuff? Um, I love to do ensemble sketch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on a mod team at UCB mm-hmm. where I'm just an actor, so I don't get to write, which is uh, sometimes a bummer, but also kind of nice to just be an actor. Uh, but when I was here in, on teams and doing that, I, I, I just, I like the, the, it, it like feels like kind of like SNL kind of in a way that like doing the scone stuff or anything else. It's like, like with the scones, it's like, there's three of us and we know what Pat can do and we know what Elena can do and we know what I can do. And we all, we have a certain chemistry when we're together. Hmm. Uh, but when there's an ensemble, there's just kind of like it's a different energy and you're getting a lot of different voices. And I like that, Mm -hmm. that I could, that I could be in a sketch that I would never have written or maybe don't even think is funny. Yeah. But I get to like live in that sense of humor. How good are you at finding something funny to do in a sketch that you don't think is funny? Uh, I think I'm, I think that's one of my strengths. Yeah. As a sketch performer. Yeah. Is that I think I can be, given very little and make make a nice little meal out of it. Where did that come from? Um I don't know. Just just not wanting to almost more than not wanting to bomb is not wanting to be forgettable. Mm-hmm. So even if I am just coming in into the bank and saying one line, it's like, well, I want I kind of want that kind of want you to remember that I was in that sketch mm-hmm. um, without, you know, taking it over and being an asshole and stealing the scene right. for no reason. Right. Um, but yeah, I want it to have counted. So 
Walk me through your thought process on that. You're, you're given the role of guy number one who walks into the bank. Uh-huh. What's my line? Uh, your line is, uh, um, can, can you print me out? Uh, can you print me out a balance? I'm going to the bank to get them to print me out a balance. Well, I guess you would do that digitally, right? <laughs> no, no, that's what you, yeah, no, let's keep that. No. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. How about the, how about, uh, I'd have it. The line is I'd like to talk with someone about opening up an IRA. Okay. So that's your line. See now already that's such a weird. <laughs> All right. What's the less no, no, weird? No, no, what would you go no, to the no, bank good. for? I still go to the bank. Nobody goes to the bank anymore. Yeah. Old man. We do it on our apps. I know. I don't know. I don't trust that shit. When the government hijacks all all internet technology, by the way, I'll be laughing love at all to get of political. you. Okay, you want to cash a check, so you, yeah, you you go you go to the bank and to cash to cash a check. Yeah, you're but the, I'm not the main character no, in the scene. No, no, you're just you're a guy. You're like part of the setup of, of the scene to establish bank. So you you're a guy who's like, I'd like to cash this check, please. Well, in that case, I probably wouldn't do anything crazy because <laughs> that's like that's important setup. Uh, but let's say if I was, um, what's the line? I'd like to cash a check. I'd like check. to cash a check? Yeah. I'll show you how I would do it. Evan, can you say lights up? I'd like to cash this check. That's how I would do it. Great. But if I, but if, if, if it's mid-scene? Yeah, mid-scene. Yeah. Oh, but then I'm, and I'm straight, I'm straight manning the, oh, that's different. Then I, I I got to be a good straight man. Right. I love a good straight man. Yeah. Um, I don't, I wish I got to do it more. Yeah. Um, why don't you be the crazy person and I'll, I'll be the straight man. I'll ask you to cash a check. Okay. What's my thing? I'm the person before you. You're the person before me? Yeah. And I say, <laughs> well, I never. Great. And then you walk out. Okay. And then I go next. Oh, that'll be my thing. I'm, I'm irritable. Okay, so you you so give me well I never southern. again, and I'm southern. Yeah. Okay, so Bro, I, I never. Next, hi, I'd like to cash a check. Well, you gotta put a you gotta you gotta you got your you got your savings book. <laughs> yeah, I have my savings book. That's <laughs> that was really good. I, don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, I think being a straight man is so important. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was so good. I agree about being a straight man is so important. Yeah. I think uh, there's also a way to be funny and be a straight man. Yes. Um, because you have to be really good at grounding everything. Yeah. But always, you're always grounding it facetiously. Yeah, and you get to react. To, if you if we were in that sketch and you had gone as big as you did, Yeah, I think by me being like, what, what what did you ask me? Do I have my checkbook or whatever? Yeah, just yeah, by being yeah. like, yeah, you know, what would maybe get a laugh? Yeah. Just because you've like really affected me and I'm like, oh, this guy, this is a, well, yeah, this guy's crazy. What's that? It's that you, you did that with your eyes too. That, that little bit of, yeah, this guy's crazy is in your eyes. I was affected with my eyes. Yes. I, eyes are very important. Very I think, important. To acting. Oh yes. I don't think people use them enough. The other thing I think, which you're great at with improv is I don't think people act in improv enough. I agree with that. I think uh, they're so worried about what they're saying. Yeah. Is that you could like take a beat and like 
act it for a second I agree. and get a laugh. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're really good with that. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. It's all, that's the last one you're getting. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I just watched not too long ago, somebody posted uh, Will Ferrell on uh, Conan O'Brien's show as yeah, with Robert Goulet. Oh, yeah. Great. So good. Have you seen that anytime recently where he just does like a full, he does it as if he's on the Johnny Carson show. And he just yeah, like he keeps playing Johnny, and, <laughs> yeah. and he keeps saying he's in Burbank and yeah. New York City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's such an amazing sustained bit. And then he gets yeah. up and he sings for everybody. It's such an incredible bit. Yeah. Oh, it's great. That's someone who like I don't think anyone commits harder. No, than him. No, it's just a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. And I, I, I think it's like it's hard to find him like not doing well. Yeah in a sketch or anything. And he's another one who like, there's no like throwaway lines with him. There's yeah. always like this little extra thing that he'll do to make himself memorable. I, I think it, it, it's totally yeah. that thing of like, he's never forgettable no matter what sketch he's in. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't think there needs to be, if there are uh throwaway lines in your sketch, there shouldn't be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Make, just make everything count. The, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the, uh, the cowbell sketch, right? Yeah. We're like two things that, that Farrell does in that sketch that like, when you think of it, I almost think of it as like his sketch, even mm-hmm. though when you watch it, it's more of like Christopher Walken's it's more sketch. Chris, yeah. It, it, or it kind of like belongs to everybody. Yeah. Joe Sands is very funny in it. Chris Parnell. Chris Parnell's always great. He's, he's, he's a great straight man. He's a great straight man. But, uh, Will Farrell does two things. One is the mid riff. Yeah which is like a classic Will Ferrell thing. And the other is just his like weird physical closeness. <laughs> yeah. That, that are bo- both such great unforgettable choices in, in, in a character that could easily have been played without those two things. Yeah. He also, he doesn't talk until like almost the sketch is over. Yeah. Where he's like, we don't have a lot of songs that feature the cowbell. Yeah. Uh, but it is his sketch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great sketch. I gotta ask that's you, committing. That's full commitment. Total commitment. I I the I always think of Phil Hartman whenever I think of commitment. Yeah, it, like whenever I have done a sketch class in the past, and I'm like asked to read in other people's sketches, whether I find the sketch funny or not, I just always think of like what would Phil Hartman? Yeah, because it, it, he that guy was consummate. I think he has the best reputation of any comedian I can think of in yeah. terms of everybody who worked with him always wanted to work with him. And people felt like they could hand him anything and he would make it better than, than what was on the page. Yeah, I think I think he was uh yeah, he could he could do anything. Yeah. Which is rare. Yeah. It's very hard to do more. I think I feel like we all have like four things we could do. Yeah. Like a normal comedian. Uh, but he had like thirteen. Yeah. Um and then yeah, he committed super hard to it. The only thing I think that is against him is that I feel like I never really knew what he found funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't really know what a Phil Hartman sketch was because I don't think he wrote. Mm-hmm. I think he got written for so much that he didn't have to write. Yeah. That he was just kind of like the glue guy that like held everything together. But I, I feel like I appreciate someone more like Bill Hader, mm-hmm. who was like Phil Hartman plus like he had characters. Yeah. It was like, here's a guy that can do everything. They could hold the show together. They could do pretty much anything you ask them to. And they're going to have some very memorable 
characters. Right. You f- and you feel like you have a sense of his, of his sensibility. What his sense of humor is, yeah. yeah. Well, because Phil Hartman's sensibility is like weirdly, he's attracted to like announcer guys. Yeah. And there is that kind of like weird disembodied voice. Have you seen his audition? It. It's unbelievable. It's great. And, but, uh, and I think even from watching that, you see that his thing is kind of like, I can do a lot. Yeah. Uh, which is great yeah. and, and very rare, but yeah. it's like harder to hang your hat on. Right. It's harder to be like, what, what's a, what's a great Phil Hartman sketch? It's like, well, he was great in everything. Right. It's like unfrozen caveman lawyer maybe, but like who, who knows if he even found that funny. Right. Yeah. Whereas like with Bill Hader, you have a, a yeah. fair sense, you know, like Stefan, what he wrote yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen the, uh, the the one that didn't make it to air with Justin Bieber. Yeah. Where he, he they're bo- he's bombing really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. It I think that's one of the most instructive sketches anybody could watch. <laughs> Just for like the sheer like ballsiness of stupidity of that mm-hmm. sketch. It's an unbelievably stupid sketch. Yeah. That goes really far in how stupid it is. It's grossly miscalculated for the audience <laughs> that it was for. Like, it's all really. Justin Bieber fans. <laughs> they hate it. Yeah. They they cast the worst. Justin Bieber is the worst actor you could possibly think of. He brings no commitment to anything. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that sketch. I, there's also a sketch. There's a really great sketch with Will Ferrell and uh, Molly Shannon, where they're at an airport bar. Yeah, have you seen it? I don't think so. It, it's only memorable because there seems to be no jokes in it, uh-huh. and it and it it bombs completely. And they're just two people that are like on a first date at an airport bar. And it's really awkward. And uh, it's so great because they both are just so in it. Yeah. And it feels like they like that it's not going well. Yeah. Like it feels like the worst it is. It feels like they were like, let's write a sketch that is designed to confuse everybody. <laughs> it, it almost seems like it was improvised. Colbert has this thing of uh, you got to learn to love the bomb. You got to learn to like enjoy it and look forward to it. Yeah. Have you? Are you there? No. 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 I fear. I still fear it. Yeah. I th- I think that's what drives me mostly. Do you? What do you? What do you do when you're bombing? Do you dig harder? Yes. I've learned. Uh, I've learned not to panic when bombing. Yeah. Is that I don't go into like where you can see some people start to bomb and they start to like floor it to 10, yeah. which is like usually the wrong, the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can kind of like sit back in it, but I'm still like, how, how can I make, I, so I do a show. I do a show every Wednesday at the pit mm-hmm. improv. And a couple of weeks ago, it, the audience was just really quiet. Just like they were, I think they were a younger crowd and they were maybe not quite sure what they were seeing. Um, and their baseline was like silence. And I it didn't panic, but I, I certainly was like, really went for it with them and went super hard into just like digging into a character mm-hmm. and uh, just like unrelentlessly like going for it. But not in a way where I was like, please laugh. Right. I just was like, I think this is going to make, I think this is going to make them laugh. You got to kind of trust that the, the, the point of the scene that you're in will, 
if you stay committed to it, that it's going to end up serving you and making you look good. Yeah. And, and also, I, I mean, I, I knew it was going to go well if I, I knew I could make jokes, but not in a, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I knew I could make character jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, where it, it just felt like this character is someone who I knew I could take in this direction where like, this is going to be a little bit more of like harder jokes instead of like, we are figuring this out together. Yeah. That sounds bad, but it wasn't. And it, and it ended up working because I just think they were a crowd that wasn't an improv crowd. So they weren't going to laugh on like, Oh, you made a good, you made a good move. Good job saying that you were in a church. But you know, I, I actually think that that's responsible of you. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I mean, it, it's a dick thing if you're like joking out the show and selling out your right. partners to just like do whatever. But if you're kind of noticing that, like, okay, I got to make an adjustment on the fly for this crowd. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do the sophisticated improv aficionado thing. I'm going to lean in to this character and I'm going to kind of, yeah take off with it a little bit. I think that's the responsible thing to do in that situation. You make that adjustment and you, and you, you, you do something that's going to be fun and enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. I think, I think you with improv, you can get a lot of crowds that are, um, improv is amazing. Like you're watching two people, two people make up something and you can get laughs off just being like, yeah, we're in a church, you know? And they're like, Oh wow. They thought of that. That's so fun. But then you get crowds that are like, great. You're in a church. Mm-hmm. I've been in a church, you know, like they just, the, the sort of like magic of it. Yeah. It, it doesn't like hit them. Yeah. Yeah. That like, it was very interesting that you both thought you were in a church. Yeah. Um, so they're just more like, I need a, I need something actually funny to happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm very in tuned with the crowd, which is also, I feel like a bad thing. I think it's like half good, half bad where I'm like pretty, pretty in tune with how the audience is feeling. At all times. What's the what's the positive and negative of that? I think positive is something like that where you go, this isn't going well. I think this is going to make it go well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the negative is like sometimes nothing is going to make it go well. So you might as well just play out the show instead of constantly trying to adjust. Yeah. Because sometimes you can just be like, nothing's going to, like, like with the... Uh, the festival you did. Yeah. It was like nothing was going to work with them. So there's no point into constantly trying to adjust and then no one's getting their footing. Yeah. What do you think of like, um, like an Andy Kaufman style thing of committing so hard <clears throat> that you're just pissing everyone off? Uh, I respect it. I have no interest in doing it. Yeah. It seems like mean. Yeah. It's punishment. I agree. I, I respect it and I respect that commitment, but yeah, it's just seems cruel. Yeah. Why, I, why do it? I, one of my least favorite things to see is um, when you have a cold audience mm-hmm. and the performers kind of um, attack them. Yeah. Yeah. You start to take it out on the audience. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. Or you start to do something that you're trying to be like more like visceral or exciting or whatever it is, but, but it always ends up as coming across as mean spirited and angry. And it's certainly not going to get them on your side. No. And now everybody just feels kind of shitty and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I I err on the side of like, I would rather have, I I want the crowd to like it. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like you find some people like in sketch and everything that's like, 
they're like the comedian's maybe favorite person, but the crowd doesn't always love them. Yeah. And that to me sometimes is just like, oh, you're just not doing your job right. Mm -hmm. You know, if the crowd isn't liking you and you're, you're not doing great. I think personally, when I travel places, I think it takes people a few extra minutes to warm up to me. To you? Yeah. Because you're, you, you live in such a specific place. I think so. And I think I come across as so serious that, um, people <laughs> yeah. have to kind of catch on that I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. There are, you are, um, you live in this space that I think other people do as well. Someone like Joe Firestone or like, um, uh, some other people that like you have your own sort of like atmosphere around you. Mm-hmm but you, you just kind of wait for the audience to come to you, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Where uh, you're just kind of like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So you guys just come to me. Yeah. I think there's a, like a highly specific like tone. Yeah. That's there. Where I think where a negative thing of like always being in tune with the crowd is like, Oh, the crowd's not liking me. Let me come to them uh-huh. and let me fix myself to be more palatable for them. Yeah. Where there are people like you are like, I'm doing this. Which is also has its like blessing and curse aspect too. I, I, the negative side to that is I wish I had more of the, an ability or confidence to like make those adjustments. But I think I panic about them a little bit. I, like for me, sometimes when I'm performing, I kind of feel like, well, sticking to my guns is kind of the only thing I can do now. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to... I don't know how to mix up the energy of this so that people will enjoy it more. I don't know how to, how to change my character. Yeah. But I think, I think, uh, people more often than not come, they come to you. They end up finding what your rhythm is. Yeah. And they're then enjoying it. I think that's like the hallmark of any good show is, is that like you kind of like change the rhythm of the room for everybody. Yeah. You kind of like teach everybody kind of teaches each other how to like get into this groove together. Yeah. That's the, that's the collective experience of being a good comedy show. Totally. I think for a long time uh, I was feeding off the crowd Yeah. as a comedian and uh, I wanted to learn how to give off, to like feed the crowd myself. Yeah. To be like, this is what I'm bringing to you guys. Because uh, especially like early on, you end up doing a lot of shows for four people. Right. And they're not giving you anything. Right. Because it's weird. Right. There's a four person audience. So then you come out and, Everything's just too low energy because you're feeding off them. Yeah. So I always thought it was important to like bring your own energy. Yeah. Do we have enough time for uh, an improvised scene? We're gonna, I haven't done this for for a while. Can I have you improvise with the jar of pickles? Really? Yeah. Kind of jar of pickles. Who's gonna be your scene partner? It's a stupid idea. The gag is you. <laughs> You, do you really very, have it. You, of course. You, you know you don't have to have it. It's no, on the radio. I know. This is my version of a wig. Okay. Is it open? No, it's okay. sealed. So your scene partner is a jar of pickles. I give you a scenario, and then I'll give you like 60 seconds to improvise. Si- that's all? Yeah. Super short. What if it's going well? I'll keep it going. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if it's like really bombing, I'm going to stop you 10 seconds in. How do you know if it... Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, I can tell. No, give me sixty seconds. I'll least. give you sixty seconds. Because if it's not working, I'll make it. I'll adjust. All right. You are a uh, uh, you're a corrupt mayor. Okay. And uh, this jar of pickles is a cop who's been asking too many questions. 
And this scene is you chewing this guy down. You're putting him into his place. I'm a corrupt mayor. You're a corrupt mayor. And uh, this cop, this cop has been like <clears throat> kind of going above and beyond. Okay. And you're not going to talk. No, it's just you. Are we in my office? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You called, you called this guy in. Okay. Thinking that you're here to like congratulate him for like a heroic deed done to the city, but really you're going to, you're going to chew him out. Okay. Tell him to keep to his place. Okay. All right. I'm very serious in the jar pickles. Do I get a suggestion? No, that, that was, was the suggestion. suggestion. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, ready? Yeah, take it away. I'm going to close my eyes, and then when I open them, the scene's going to start. Great. I don't know, honey. Being a mayor is tough. Yeah, I got to go. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wait, <laughs> that was it? <laughs> That was 10 seconds. I mean, that was less than 60 seconds, but you, you covered it. There was a lot in there. You're on the phone. Uh, you know, I didn't even get to, to give him a gun. <laughs> the rule of threes. That was a great scene. Thank you. It felt great. Yeah. Is it, do you use this jar for every time you do it? Yeah. I've been using that jar for like a little less than a year now. Oh, that's gross. I don't think so. It hasn't been opened and it's pickle juice. So I think they're probably safe in there. It's hermetically sealed. Wow. It's heavy, too. Yeah, it's a serious thing. Evan bought it. He did a great job. Great job, Evan. Yeah. You're great. <laughs> Michael DeLisle. It's been a pleasure Hey, talking. thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks, Evan. Uh, plug, man. Oh. Plug. Um, what do you want to plug? plug I'm directing a, a magnet sketch team called Chillionaire every fourth Monday of the month with my mod team, The Classic. The Classic. They're very, we're really great. I believe it. Willie Appleman's on it. Oh, it's great. Uh, Chrissy Shackelford, Tessa Hirsch, a lot of great people. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out, friends. Uh, that's been the podcast. Thanks for listening. A couple of other thank yous to today's engineer and also our producer, Evan Ford Barton, to Ed Herbstman, our executive producer, to all of you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating on iTunes, mention us on social media, all that fun and fancy stuff. My guest today, once again, has been Michael Delisle. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Magnet Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.